It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Smart Health Talk, everybody. It looks like... Our technical difficulties may be over. And I'm just going to be waiting here for uh, Senator Zuckerman's going to be calling back in. So stay tuned. We're still going to be calling him. What's that, Di? Uh, no, I don't. He, no, I don't have the, I don't have the phone number. Uh, so well, did, he said he was going to call back, so hopefully he calls back. Uh, yeah, because we were trying to wait to get this interview for a while, and I do have the other guests calling in at, at uh, 1.45. Okay. Oh, could that – is that him? No, nope, that's the other phone. All right. Um, I will – let's see. Why don't I work – yeah, why don't I work on uh, – as I'm talking to you guys, I'm going to uh, – oh, I don't have the internet. Okay, we're just going to hope, hope that uh, Senator Zuckerman's come back, and I'll just go back telling you guys about all the, all the stuff that I wanted to make sure that you knew. Because, like I said, Smart Health Talk is here because we want you to have a chance to have uh, safe food and a safe environment to live in. And we, we know that the rates of autism, obesity, diabetes, and I, there's about 20 different diseases that have raised in exact. Uh, in when you look at how much uh, Roundup that we're using, and then you look at the increase in diseases as we increase the use of Roundup, uh, there's there is about uh, 20 different diseases that have also raised, and that includes things like kidney disease, uh, diabetes, heart disease, just all these different cancers, and we have to ask, what has changed? I had shared with you, if you were listening early in the program, that when I look at my mother's yearbook, I can't even find any overweight people. And I say that because obesity is linked to many, many of our top killing diseases. And it really kind of upsets me as a dietitian the fact that we spend so much time on the news talking about things that aren't killing people when we have um, when we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people millions even dying from these other diseases of which we get hardly any information and uh, can be traced right back to the food we're eating now you may think oh I can trust what the government's telling me the government does not test these pesticides they are okay with whatever the company says if they says oh these are safe. They go, oh, okay, if you say so. That's what our government is doing. 
It is not only doing that, but it's sending out our politicians to go represent Monsanto and force other countries to start using them, offering them bribes and our government willing to give them money. It seems to me that someone should be calling them on this because that does not seem like the right – die, he's calling – uh, the right thing to do. So it uh, looks like Senator Zuckerman is called back in. Okay, hopefully we're all working. Can you hear me, Senator Zuckerman? <laughs> well, hello. Are we working? Woo! Yeah, hallelujah. All right, die. You did it. I tell you, that Maybe girl was that, it's okay. that girl was in there like working like crazy. I really appreciate that, die. I know that was a tough situation. You came through. Thank you. Yeah. And we are so thrilled to have you on the on the on the show, Senator. And uh, you know, a lot of things have happened since the last time we talked. Oh my gosh! You know, you guys like passed the GMO labeling law, like the first state to pass a law that had had some teeth to it. Because the other states that did pass, um, there were a lot of circumstances that had to be met before theirs kicked in. But yours kicking in helps them, so that's a good thing. And you know. The challenges of this have just been huge because you're taking on this multi-billion dollar corporation that wants its way and is actually used to getting its way. But you guys have stood up to Monsanto a couple of times before that, didn't you? Well, we've done a few things over the years, and I I know earlier on you talked about Kate Webb, who was great in introducing this law a couple times. I did introduce the first labeling law back in the early 2000s. Oh, you did? uh, Yeah, and we kept... uh, Kept talking about it along with other regulatory bills around genetic engineered, uh, you know, agricultural products. And we really had a great grassroots effort around the state, slowly and over time building uh, public support to pass legislation. And a couple things we did pass over our history was one law that went into effect was simply that the seed companies had to report how much of the seed they were selling in Vermont. And so we have, since 2003 or four. Uh, a track record of how much corn and how much soybeans and now alfalfa are being planted as GMO versus non-GMO. And then the second law we passed was in 2006. We called it the Farmer Protection Act. And that was going to make it so that the seed companies would bear the economic and environmental responsibility if there was uh, negative consequences from GMOs. But unfortunately, that bill, which the House and Senate passed, our then-governor vetoed. So that never became a law. And then we built the momentum for the last four or five years to uh, eventually pass this first-in-the-nation GMO labeling law. Kay Webb introduced the House version, and I introduced the Senate version. Uh, and once they passed it in the House, I helped usher it through the Senate, uh, through the Senate Agriculture Committee, where there was a real effort to put on similar language that Maine and Connecticut had, where they were going to say, well, we'll do it once enough other states do it with a big enough population. And we decided... No, this is the right thing to do. We're going to pass this. We're going to write a law that can be defended in court, and uh, we're going to defend what's right for our for our people. And why don't you give us uh, just take a minute to give us? This is you know Senator David Zuckerman from Vermont, everyone, and he is such an incredible uh, representative because I, as I mentioned, he's also an organic farmer, and I'm excited to hear that you're actually going to be. Running for lieutenant? Go- oh, you are running for lieutenant. I am right running. Now. I actually first got involved in politics because of Bernie Sanders. Maybe some folks out in California have heard of that guy. Uh, I volunteered oh, yeah. oh, for yeah. him in, <laughs> in 1992. <laughs> oh, really? Hello? That's when you started, 1992. 
Yeah, I volunteered for him in 92. I first ran, but I lost in 94. And then I got elected in 96. So I was a representative for 14 years. And then uh, two years off, and then I've been a senator for four. And uh, and been leading the effort on, on this issue, uh, as well as marriage equality, which was a big issue in Vermont, both civil unions and marriage equality. And obviously we're all mourning today the uh, incredibly sad and tragic uh, attack on our on a gay nightclub in, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so we're all feeling that very, very closely to our hearts. But um, we've been working a on a leader, lot of progressive you know. issues for, for 18 years. Yeah, well, you guys were a leader in, in that movement, so I would think that right. I could see where you guys would you know, really feel it um, after being yeah. that passionate about it. And you guys, have, you guys have been leaders. Little that little state of Vermont over there is like a role model for the country. And that you guys have been the leader on many different issues. And I mentioned that you've won against Monsanto and lost against Monsanto. Those were two other court battles that actually prepared you for this latest one, didn't it? Well, in some ways, it certainly did. We knew they were going to come after us. Our own legislative council is, is, was very, very uh, smart in how we worded the bill. We also had outside support from the Vermont Law School uh, Law Clinic helped us with writing the bill. We had different um, legal folks from good organizations around the country with the Right to Know Coalition offering uh, pointers on how to make sure we could write the law to fit within the U.S. Constitution and the Interstate Commerce Clause and the various things they were going to throw at us. And so far in the first round of court, uh, we have won, and the law has been upheld, and it goes into effect July 1st. Uh, And now we've seen, yeah, absolutely, and we fought back also (laughs) in Congress, because a couple of months ago, I'm sure you covered it, uh, the U.S. Senate was trying to defeat our law and and take away our local control. Oh, yeah. they, they may try again, and we'll need Senator Boxer and other people's help to make sure Vermont's law and local control, state control, gets to remain in place. Well, tell us what, what that really means. I mean, like, what what are they trying to do on the federal level uh, versus what you guys are doing? And well, you- on the federal level, uh, some folks, I'm, I'm going to draw another parallel, but in North Carolina, local towns have voted to protect their, their transgendered folks with respect to going to the bathrooms. And the state level, they said, we're not going to allow our local municipalities to have laws like that. Well, the federal law is looking to do the same thing. There are some members of the U.S. Senate, and, and the House already passed such a law, that are saying, we don't want an individual state to be able to require labeling, so we will either outlaw that states can do labeling, or we might outlaw that states can do labeling, and we're going to create a federal labeling law that's completely confusing to people where it's going to be hidden behind a QR code that you can only read with about 10% of smartphones, and uh, and therefore most people aren't going to really have easy access to the information and the right to know. So in the U.S. Senate, they're trying to pass that. They needed 60 votes to close the discussion, and so far, back a month and a half, two months ago, they got 48 votes. Uh, but it looks like, you know, there's a chance they're going to try to do it again, and we just need to make sure that we said either pass a law just like Vermont's law that will clearly label when a product contains or may contain genetically engineered ingredients, or don't pass any law at all and allow Vermont's law to go forward. Because the reality is Campbell's Soup, General Mills, Mars, numerous big national companies are all saying, we're going to label our products now. It's actually not that hard. We've been doing it in 64 other countries of the world, and uh, we can do it and we will do it for everybody in the country 
uh, for Vermont's law. And I hope folks across the country do appreciate that, and we'll uh, we'll continue to urge their local stores and their local legislators to pass laws to say we want a law like Vermont so that everything on our shelves is properly labeled. I tell you, David, when I hear that, and I think about you know the, what you were just saying, Campbell's, Mars, General Mills—they're all bound down, saying we're going to put this on the label. We know they're not doing it out of goodness of their heart, or they would have done it sooner. Uh, they are doing it because Vermont passed a GMO labeling law that goes into effect July 1st, everybody. And so they're, right. all, they're all scrambling. And I tell you, it just feels so good. It feels so good because I know how hard so many people around this country, not just in, our, in, in Vermont and Massachusetts and Maine and Connecticut and Washington, California, Colorado. Absolutely. You know, people were, people were trying, and I'm sorry, whatever states I missed there, but, you know, so many people. And to pass this law, I mean, these were everyday people that were not even normally political, you know, because this was a this was a personal thing, wasn't it, David? Because we're talking about the health of our families here. Well, it, it's about individual choice and the health of not only our families, but the health of the soil where the food is grown, the health of the workers who are in those fields. And you know, there's there's a personal choice of what we put, what we put into our own bodies, but we're also making a decision about how we treat our planet. And when folks use genetically engineered uh, ingredients. That is encouraging more pesticide, more herbicide use in many of the fields all over the country. Whereas, as an organic grower, I know that if we rotate our crops and grow more diverse crops and we use natural insecticides on rare occasion when necessary, we can actually continue to have a long-term productive and healthy food system. And, you know, right now we're relying on a cheap food system. And uh, you talked about it in the opening in terms of our cheap food that's got a lot of calories, not a lot of nutrition, and we're growing ever larger and unfortunately developing many more chronic diseases. And one has to wonder if part of that is the environment that we're exposing our body to between our food, our liquids, and the air that we breathe. And food, you know, the old adage, you are what you eat. And we're eating food that is perpetually grown with poison. And uh, there comes a point where, you know, our bodies can't take that much. It might be able to take a little bit of it. But that much is too much. No, and, we're, every you know, single of, day, every single day. We're, we're right. You know, one of, the reasons, one of the reasons I'm running for lieutenant governor is because in Vermont, where we did a lot of organizing to pass a law like this, there are other important laws around people's health, people's economic justice that we need to pass and we need to organize around. And as lieutenant governor, as someone who's familiar with organizing, I'm going to organize more people in Vermont to be more engaged so we can keep leading this state uh, in good policies like I just talked about. Well, and like I said, you guys are actually leading the country. And another thing I was saying, I had this talk with my son, you know, because I, and, and, you know, talking about, you know, the politicians that are up for election, you know, and all this kind of thing. Well, you know, I, I, instead of whining about the politicians, I would like to see, I, I was thinking back on the Vietnam War and like when people took to the streets and started protesting you know, even if the president wanted to continue with the war, they were under so much pressure by all these people speaking out that they had to do something. And this is what happened with the, the GMO labeling law in Vermont. You know, they would have they would still be doing business as usual if we wouldn't have had all these laws trying to be passed and then Vermont actually succeeding. 
Uh, well, yeah, people engaging is the way to make change. When, as an elected person, I can tell you that most citizens don't call, don't email, don't communicate with their legislators, and, and therefore legislators get wrapped up in the bubble of the, of the Capitol building, and the people that are there giving us information, which is typically more corporate information than people information, and if people get engaged, and, and this is one of the reasons I have supported Bernie so strongly, is getting people reinvigorated about the system, because our system can work. We have the, the best system in the world, even though it's got its flaws, but if we could, could get folks either more good people elected and more good people running, which is how you get more good people elected, but also stay involved between the elections. Don't just get absorbed in the screen, whether it's the phone, smartphone screen, the TV screen, sports events. Yeah, let's go have fun and do those things. But don't get so absorbed in all that that we forget that people are making decisions that are going to impact us day in and day out, and people have to get involved. So... What what would be your advice um, from all of, everything that you've learned? Uh, what what would be your advice to all of us? Well, I think my biggest piece of advice is call your legislators, particularly your state legislators. It's tough on the federal level because the districts are so big, and obviously in California, your districts are larger than than ours in Vermont. But call legislators and ask them to respond. Ask them for their where they stand on whatever issue is important to you. If it's about your food supply. Ask them, do they support information and labeling? And if not, why not? And then follow up. Don't just accept the first answer. It's really good to engage your legislator. Now, sometimes it will be a staff person, but the more they hear from people, the more they do tally how many people call saying yes or no on an issue. And uh, you just have to be persistent. And it's hard because we're all so busy. You know, the economic circumstances of so many people makes it really hard to have the time to make these phone calls. But... We make time for other priorities in life. It's you know these are these are your policy making people making decisions that are going to affect you every single day. So just setting aside five minutes each week, say every Thursday at four o'clock, I'm going to call my legislator about an issue that matters to me. Five minutes. I love that. You know, why not do that and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, um, that is that is like some of the best advice that I've ever heard, David. And I have called my legislator, and I, I guess at first it was kind of an intimidating uh, action to take. I you know I really wasn't sure what to expect, and I think that's with a lot of people. They they're kind of apprehensive. They're they're unsure, uh, but I think um, uh, for me it was like. It was very rewarding. I've actually talked to those field reps for an hour. And it's it's yeah. amazing to me how much they don't know. It's like Well, and it's hard for anybody in, in a political arena to know something about everything or certainly not everything about everything because we have 50 issues coming at us every day. And it's important for us to learn from people who are on the ground, our everyday constituents and it can be intimidating, and the thing to remember is every one of those political people, you know, elected people, at one point they weren't elected. They were an everyday person who was a small business owner or an employee somewhere. You know, probably in California it's more lawyers and, and bigwigs and whatnots in financial worlds. But in the end of the day, they are beholden to one thing, and that's Election Day. And they try to bamboozle you with big money TV ads and everything else. But we now have the social media and the Internet and Facebook and Twitter, and we can tell people 
friends and others how we were treated when you call your legislator. And if they don't treat you with respect and they don't work to engage you in the process and they don't, you know, they might not agree with you, but they should at least treat you with respect and engage you in the process. And they should be making it easier and easier for people to vote. I know in California this last cycle, the voting system made it so hard for people to participate. And one of the things that I really believe in our voting system is that as government and as municipalities, the job of government is to make sure you're registered to vote and to allow you to vote as long as you're allowed under the rules. However, one of the things that's really strange to me is that any government registers you with any party. In Vermont, we don't register you with a party. It is not government's job to delineate for these private entities, the Democratic and Republican Party, who belongs to that party or not. It's a public function that you're allowed to vote. And so we have all kinds of weird voting laws that actually build the two parties, give them all the power to control who can vote and who can't in their primaries. When you are a voter who is allowed to vote, if they want to have their own primaries, they should pay for them. But if government's paying for it, then you should be allowed to vote in any primary you want to. That's interesting. I, I didn't really think about that, but now that I am thinking about it, I can see I can see your point totally. Um, and you know I and, and what does it mean? What, what tell people what how you feel about our, our right to vote? I was just watching uh, a television show that had that included the, the, the women's movement to get the right to vote. And I heard sure. someone mention that it wasn't in ni- in the early, I think it was Gloria Steinem or somebody was saying that in early 1960s, women couldn't even open a checking account uh, by themselves. And I, you know, I, I think we forget on just how precious this right to vote is. Well, absolutely. You know, uh, it's something that folks have fought for. Obviously, many people didn't have the right to vote, whether it was women, whether it was non-landowners or there is people of color, and we have fought for these rights so that every person who is a U.S. citizen has the right to vote. And yet we still face regular attacks on that right, regular hurdles and and roadblocks put up by people that are much more corporate influenced in their political processes. Often it's the Republicans who say, oh, we need to protect it so that there isn't voter fraud. Well, there are so few examples of voter fraud relative to the hundreds of thousands of people who are disenfranchised by not being able to vote because of the roadblocks that are put up by these by these gerrymandered district elected Republicans. And the first thing to do is make sure we fight for everyone's right to vote and that it should be as straightforward and simple as possible. You know, it's hard enough to get people to vote once, much less getting them to vote six, ten, or twelve times as some of these people claim, uh, some of these elected, uh, you know, roadblock people uh, claim folks are trying to do. There's really almost no evidence of that. And if we had 500,000 more people voting, then one person voting three times that might squeak through would have much less effect than those 500,000 people being disenfranchised with their right to vote being taken away. And the way I look at it, too, then we ensure that the laws that are passed are a reflection of what the people really want. And, and isn't that what our whole system is based on? That's, that's what democracy is supposed to be, you know, government of the people. It's a Greek, Greek-based word. Have you heard that um, in California they're actually trying to pass a seed law? It's called AB 2470, and 1810 is the law that we have introduced to counteract it. 
but they are they have tried to pass the same law in China and California, uh, and China, and, and, uh, China and China uh, and Europe. And uh, this is something that makes it illegal to trade seeds with share seeds and trade seeds with someone farther than three miles from your house. Uh, Wow. The state will be able to decide what seeds can and cannot be sold or planted in the state. People will not be able to use private money to start a seed company. Uh, they um, They will also eliminate things like seed libraries. Uh, that we have here, wow. and that's very frightening. It you is. Know? It is. Seeds, and seeds are are the natural basis of all of our food, and have been a naturally occurring and natural right for everyone for a long, long time. I certainly will keep an eye out for that here in Vermont. But certainly, folks should call their legislators and say, "No way! Food is our basic right." They're going to make heirloom seeds illegal. Is what they want to do. They want everything well, to be GMO. Well, Monsanto and others own a huge percentage of the seed supply, and they want to continue to own more of it. Well, I, you know, I, I really hope that people are, are th- this is why we have this show, Smart Health Talk, everyone, and this is, we want to keep you informed. If you're sitting there going, what? What did she just say? This is real. This is, yep. there, and that is why uh, Dr. Vandana Shriva, Shriva came all the yep, way from, Shiva, yep. yeah, Shiva, yeah, she, um, she came all the way from India uh, to California to help fight this law, and we have a great interview with her um, on our YouTube, everybody, that uh, she okay. gave me about the, I'll send you the link to that, um, David, it's well, really, really powerful. And Elaine, can I also give you my website if people want to follow up with me with any questions about any of these issues, whether they be California laws or Vermont's law? Uh, I just want to give you my website. Yeah, good. Uh, all the get websites. Into a section of our highway where I'm going to lose you here from my phone. So I want to oh, okay, do that yeah, get, give you. me the websites. It's Zuckerman, which is Z U C K E R M A N, or as in F O R, V T dot com. So Zuckerman for V T dot com. And that's Vermont V T V is in Victor T is yep. in Tom. V is in Victor T is in Tom. Okay. And that way, if folks have follow up questions about Vermont's labeling law your own laws, how to get involved in the political process. If they want to help me out, obviously I'd love folks' support. They can do it through that website. Uh, But, you know, our election is only about seven weeks away, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll continue to be able to be a voice for, you know, smart food growing, healthy food growing, as well as good economic policy and many of the things that Bernie Sanders was talking about in his campaign for president. Well, you know, these are the fundamentals of our country. And I I had mentioned earlier, and this is one question I wanted to ask you to hopefully we still have the time to get the answer when we don't lose you. Um, But, you know, I was uh, I I was reading, you know, about how a lot of countries are refusing uh, GMO seeds. They won't allow them. And something that recently happened that Monsanto had never done before is they sold seeds before it was approved for export. And so now all of these farmers have crops that they can't export. And uh, because the the countries, uh, Europe for one, never passed this new uh, GMO soy seed, and yet they were selling farmers the seed. So here is another way that, uh, to me, Monsanto is sabotaging our farmers in so many different ways, uh, being able to compete on the world market. Yes, it's insidious. It really is. I, I, uh, and I, it, you know, it's they, against our they, country. They are more interested in profit than the broader interest of individuals' ability to grow their own food. 
And then we just recently had um, a, a farm spraying pesticides right across the street from a high school, and all of these kids got sick. I I I, I just can't even believe that we're still allowing you know this, these kind of practices. Why? What What is your opinion of pesticides and what they actually uh, do? What 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 made you turn into an organic farmer? <laughs> Well, I will say there are naturally occurring pesticides, Pesticides and others that I use. Uh, And, you know, as a farmer who grows food organically, I can tell you it is extremely hard work. It is very hard to find people that want to do the work. Unfortunately, for what people pay, even for organic produce, uh, the ability to pay our workers enough to make it worthwhile to them is difficult. You know, it is very hard physical work. And one of the biggest things we spend our time doing is weeding. And so for those that spray herbicide, it is it does make growing food a lot easier. Uh, and for those that either spray pesticides or grow pesticide-infused crops that are genetically engineered to have the pesticide internal in the crop, it makes it easier to grow the crops. Now, easier is not always better, but I do recognize that for a lot of farmers who are really squeaking out to make a living in a society where People aren't getting paid enough to buy healthier food at the price that it should that it costs. They're looking for cheap food, and if they're looking for cheap food, farmers are looking for cheap ways to produce that food. Well, how do how do the subsidies ways. how do the subsidies support that system? Because I'm get I'm really confused on how uh, the subsidies worked. And I recently heard that Monsanto bought an insurance company, the biggest farmer insurance company in the country, and that that insurance company is actually control subsidies as well? Well, I'm not an absolute expert on some of the federal subsidies and some of the federal policy, but those subsidies are there because, in general, if you look at countries that don't have enough food for their people, that's when you see political uprisings and civil unrest. And historically, governments governments basically think if they can provide cheap food to everybody, that people's bellies have food in it, then there won't be uprisings and rebellion. So that's what those subsidies are about, is keeping cheap food on the table. Well, we need to start investing in healthier food because then we'll end up saving in health care, in my opinion, and environmental cleanup. And we're not even looking at the big picture and the true cost of what we're doing here. So, uh, Oh, absolutely. And you look at kids who are eating too much sugar and they're not paying attention in schools. I mean, there's Lots of ramifications to the unhealthy food system that we have. I, I, I totally agree. And what was it was what was the website again? Uh, Zuckerman for VT as in Vermont dot com. Okay, well, um, I, I know that you guys fought hard, you stood strong, you made it happen, and I just want to tell everyone over in Vermont <laughs> you guys are awesome and thank you so much for um, being the leader here and making all this happen, David, and joining us today on Smart Health Talk. I really do appreciate it, and your, your patience as well <laughs> took oh, a lot that's today. Right, and I appreciate your, your time and the opportunity to just talk about what we've done in Vermont and how we're all working together across the country to improve our food system. And uh, just one other little tidbit is I'd actually be the first farmer, active farmer, elected governor or lieutenant governor in Vermont in 50 years. So you think Woo! it as an agricultural state, but we haven't had one in 50 years, so we'll see what happens. Well... 
congratulations and and i'll I'll be looking forward to talking to you again everyone and please don't forget to uh, check us out on kca our podcasts are there we have lots of them for you and look for us on social media everyone thanks for listening